Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender licensed by the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. NMLS number 328358. Introducing Mortgage Matters. This is a great time to go buy a house. This is when the real estate fortunes are made. State fortunes are made. A show dedicated to helping you navigate the challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. It's very clear our economy is still in trouble. Now your host, the mortgage experts from Central Coast Lending. Starts with doing everything possible to get the COVID-19 under control so that we can reopen our businesses safely, resume our lives, put this pandemic behind us. Broadcasting from the KVEC News Talk 920 and FM 96.5 Studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about time talking for about. Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters. Alrighty, hi and good morning, everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. And a good morning it is. Michael, welcome back. In the flesh. You had some, uh, at least some small break from doing the show. Yeah, I think I went out, did I come on the show right when I got back from Virginia? I think I did. Yeah. Yeah, then I went to Palm Springs. You're just out living your best life. Doing my, yeah, I'm doing my part. You know. Did you uh, did you go check out real estate in Palm Springs? I checked out a couple pieces actually. I was in Rancho Mirage, Ooh. which is a bit more bougie. Yeah. Um, and I was looking at some condos there near the Los Palmas Golf Course, Los Palmas Country Club. So they're like little tiny like patio condos, you know, where like half the house is outside. Oh yeah. And it's just like a place to kind of lay your head at night and you know, shower up before you go for a hike or go play golf. And it's interesting to me down there is that like how much water they have. Like (laughs) everything is so green. And I'm like, you guys are in the desert way down here in the desert. Where's all this water coming from? But, um, the HOAs were crazy. That was one of the big deterrents. And I've never been in a position to, buy a second home until now and you start thinking about like wow like what am i really getting for that 650 725 dollars a month for like a 1100 square foot house so we talk about this with our clients i mean that's that's like two hundred thousand dollars of real estate that you could be financing yeah exactly i mean and i had this conversation yesterday with a client who is considering buying a manufactured home uh, where there was a hefty space rent Yep. So this is one where they don't own the land. They would get to own the the trailer the that unit. sat on it, but then they're paying space rent, right? Which is how the investors of the park get rich. Boom. $1,500 a month space rent. And I'm saying, hey, you realize that, A, that's probably never going down, right? Just like, probably just like an HOA fee. You think HOA fees are ever going down? Probably I, not. I can't see that. Unless somehow they got like a caught a break on the gardening bill uh, or water water prices drop. So the, the watering all the lush green grass you're talking about suddenly cheaper. I mean, the reality is these things are always going up, right? So, yeah, right. anyway, that, that conversation is like, well, if, you know, if you're borrowing cash to, to buy a stick-built home and it's costing you $500 dollars per month per hundred thousand borrowed 
right? Which is just a nice round number. I think sure. And you're even, factoring in mortgage insurance and all yeah, that's that stuff. even a touch high. But just right. call it five hundred, just for sake of round numbers, that just means that fifteen hundred dollars space rent is you know three hundred thousand dollars of purchase price reach, and you add that to what the manufacturer home cost, and you know which was two hundred and fifty thousand dollars something. You're at five fifty, and you're not really coming out ahead at the game at that point because you're you know you in that scenario manufactured housing is like personal property it's generally oh yeah a large portion of that outflow liability is going to an expense not an asset right and then at some point those things are like if you have to to move it now it suddenly has no value you know or it's 30 years old and it, it basically has no value, whereas a house, that's just not true. So, yeah, when you're like you bring up the HOA fee, um, this is a similar conversation. An HOA fee of 750 bucks a month is like 150 to $200,000 yep. worth of purchase power. Yep. And usually that's about how much more the home is in the neighborhood. But you bring up a good point, Mike, about the uh, the second home thing. There's a there's more value in that HOA for a second home, right? Because they're maintaining the exterior space. You don't have to haul the trash can in and out on Thursday mornings, um, right? They're mowing the lawn, blowing the walkway. If the roof, you know, the there shingles need to be replaced or the protection. siding needs to be painted, that's generally going to be the HOA taking care of those things. So you're you're sort of buying a more turnkey free weekends type of piece than you are if you buy a single family residence where you either have to do all that stuff or hire for it. So those are the pros. Yeah. Those are the pros. Yeah. But where, where I see some confusion in with consumers on HOA fees is that they don't really understand all those things you just mentioned. You know, they don't at, at the point in which you're recognizing that cost and associating it to the value of this purchase, you're not really getting the CCNR pamphlet that says, Oh no, we do all of this, right? You know, for 40% of this dollar goes to a reserve fund that will replace your roof every six years. You're going to get your fence paid in every seven years. Right. And, and the average person unfortunately doesn't buy a house and say, well, honey, we should put $580 a month away for maintenance because in the future we're going to need a roof. We're going to need a fence. Usually they walk outside and be like, all right, the ribs are ready. Hey, wait a minute. My fence is broken. Right. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. In fact, the whole thing's kind of Holy in shambles. smokes. <laughs> Maybe we should have painted this thing. And right. Yeah, right. right. I mean, that, I was, one of my friends is a painter and we were talking a week ago about how most people like wait way too long to like take care of the paint you know which is really like the ceiling your house Mm -hmm. against the wind rain suns right critters termites you know you the tighter it is and and better kept it is the less all those things can intrude Um, but people generally like because it's expensive and it's you know you got to get a painter and deal with all that people usually just put it off until now instead of just needing the face painted well now you need fascia 
and then we'll paint the new fascia. Yes. And then what you're going to be sad to learn is that the flashing for your roof lays over the fascia and is usually nailed down into the fascia and that you know then the roof is on that and so you just got it's like now you're opening a can of worms yes um yes and when we pull back the roof we can see mold and etc it goes on yeah but so that i say all that to say that the hoa fee if you take a step back you can find a lot of value in it it just hurts me as the banker knowing that i could just go get a small single family residence yeah but what I like about Palm Springs real estate is, well, there's two things that's challenging there. First of all, a lot of it's on Indian reservation, oh. which means the deeds restricted, which is a topic that you would explain way better than I would. But um, so complications for lenders to come on title because they don't really get to dig the talons into you in first trustee position. That reservation gets some, some say in a foreclosure. Sure. Is, is what I understand. I, I haven't read up enough on it. But then the second thing is that, you know, when you own a house in San Luis Obispo County and the economy takes a dip, like a serious recession or depression, you lose about 10 to 12% of your equity. In Palm Springs, ain't no one going to Palm Springs for a couple uh, of years and you're losing like 35% of your equity. Yeah, there's a lot of truth to that in a lot of the vacation, second home type of markets where the economy needs to have people with surplus cash to be enjoying those types of locations. And it was totally obvious. Even though we just went through COVID, it was totally obvious when I was there. People were like driving around, nice cars, and just ran some Mirage, but there's a Ferrari and a Ducati and a Lambo dealership like on the main drag. But it was like so apparent to me now in my life at 40, like how we get in these cycles where it's like, Oh, I got money floating around. Let's get a Rancho Mirage house. And then slowly, but surely the economy turns and you're like, we probably shouldn't have done that. I don't have all the reserves. um, And it could just be the, the boatsman in me, but that's, that's why I always think about the ditch plan. You know, like when we go out like far into the ocean, you, you have a ditch plan. You have a bag that's prepared with things in it um, where you can make communication and hopefully survive for a little while. And it's you you worked out what's in there. You've got that's next to the flotation device. It's an accessible place that you can get to in a hurry. Yep, maybe a flare and gun. We call it the ditch yeah. bag. Yes. Um, but that's that. In real life, I always talk about, you know, the ditch plan, right? Is what are you going to do when it goes bad? That's right. And one of those things about those, the second home communities like that is if it goes bad for you and you're a part of the general economy, um, you know, and kind of what I mean by that too is like if you're a morticianer, um, you don't have a lot to worry about. People die all the time. <laughs> and when the economy's good, they die. When the economy's bad, they die. Yes, right. You're always going to have work. Mm-hmm. But if you are, um, you know, I could drive through slow and think of some of these places. You know, the rolled, uh, the rolled ice cream shop. Yeah, you know, where they somehow or other they're smoothing out ice cream and make it into these cute little rolls that they're selling for six bucks a cone. Those guys are going to have a tough time when you're cutting out the niceties of your life because things are expensive or works furloughing people or mm-hmm. rates are too high to refi. That's right. Um, country clubs. Yeah. They, so we saw a dip in country club memberships. So you're, 
you know, like in those markets, it's like, well, I, I would want to buy the vacation home or the second home during the crash <laughs> when everybody that conclusion can't was. afford to keep them is like competing the race to the bottom to sell these things as quick as possible. Now you want to buy those then, not now when you're competing with everybody that's been flush with cash. Yeah. And it's not sexy, but you're the guy at the craps table that's playing the don't pass line. <laughs> when everyone loses, they're like, hey, wait a minute. How come that guy got all those chips? Well, he's banking on the fact that you're going to craps because he's playing like the casino. That's when you say, shh. <laughs> I like to play that way. Everyone's <laughs> clapping except for you most of the time until all the chips come your way and then you stack them up. As soon as the whole table <laughs> groans, you go take step back, take a sip of your drink and wait for the croupier to hand you yeah. a big stack. Tough break. Nice roll. <laughs> Bummer. Next time. You'll get them next time. Yeah. And it's a lot easier way to play craps where you're not like, give me the hard four and take all, take the yo. And yeah. uh, this is just like, put some money out there and when the point watch the establishes, baseball game. then you put your extra odds on and then you just wait for the groan. Yep. Oh, looks like I got paid. Mm. <laughs> Looking at your phone. <laughs> Anyways, that's what, that's what Erica and my conclusion was. We don't need that house right now. It's probably going to present itself more affordable. Yeah. But it's tough to be disciplined. You know, it's tough to be disciplined. Um, you were, I'm at that age in my life where I finally started paying, seriously paying down that dumb debt. And the call, I call it the dumb debt. Like when you're 30 and you're like, yeah, let's get a sofa on a credit card. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, I'll pay that off in three months. And then life just happens every month. And you're like, that minimum payment's not getting any smaller. Yeah. Anyways, those things are gone. Now it's just student loans and the debt on my house. And so now I got this free discretionary income and it's, it's, it's tantalizing. That's the right word. Yeah. Okay. I want to make sure I didn't say something that could no, be facetious. That's a good word. Yeah. But yeah, so I was down there, I'm back. And then uh great news today. One more travel plan that I made. Oh Yeah. Because I feel like last year I didn't travel at all because of COVID. So now I'm just... So now you're all vaccinated. You're tough and you're ready to I'm go. I'm two weeks past. Yeah, it was on, on your birthday. I got vaccinated with my second shot, Moderna. Um, man, that hurt the next day. Oh my God, it was painful. You, and the people that took Pfizer were like, I didn't feel anything. So maybe Pfizer isn't working. But I'm not trying to scare people. I'm just saying my Moderna shot was terrible. I think you get what you get though, right? Like you, I didn't like give you a choice. Yeah, I didn't spin a wheel, and then it's like you get there and they tell you we're doing Moderna today. And then when you get your second shot, you get the second one or whatever you had the first time. Yeah, they they sync that up so that you at least have the same, which makes a ton of sense to me. Yeah. Well, good. That's all I got. I mean, oh, my travel plans are for Mexico because I want to make sure that we go, you know, south of the border, and then eventually I'll go north of the border. I, I was like going to say Canada. like guacamole and margaritas, but what do you get in Canada? Usually maple syrup is in a surplus. Oh, yeah, you could just turn, there's little one. spigots on the trees there. Just pull over and you grab You just some. grab a little, yeah, right in your coffee. It feels convenient. Yeah. Good. My brother lives there. Good. He's a hockey hoser. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, how's it? 
tell me tell me about we we have a, about five more minutes here before, before the break. break yeah we probably shouldn't go but into a topic i just want i just want to start by finding out from you i've been enjoying talking about this lately as these weeks seem to evolve and um the purchase transactions lately and people you're writing pre-approval letters for people and seeing how the experience has been. Um, what's your take on how it's going out there? Well, I've only been in the industry for a little over five years. So, you know, I haven't really seen this type of, um, like piranha frenzy before, but it is, it is common for me to write up a pre-approval letter on a Tuesday night and on Friday is when we're hearing back from the seller and getting a multiple counter. And I usually, my, my approach is to call the listing agent after we send the, the letter over just to give them a little white glove treatment. And so I always email when I get the multiple counter just to get an idea of like, I know I'm going to talk about this on the radio. Let's see how many multiple counters they sent out. Yeah. Most of them are double digits. Like, Oh yeah, I have multiple counters. You know, we got 15 offers and I'm countering 11 cause four of them are just bogus. I'm like, okay, so we're at, <laughs> we're at, we started at 2% over list price. That was our first offer. And we have no loan contingency because I did all the stuff I'm supposed to do. Right. We'll get that off the plate. We got no appraisal contingency cause the person's already putting 25% down and they're not really worried. So what else could we do to make this better? I guess just pay, just more. pay more. And then we, on more than 50% of the time, I'm not getting the acceptance. Yeah. So I'm basically like in spring training right now where I'm just practicing how a pre-approval gets submitted to a listing right. agent. But I, I mean, I'm closing on average three to four purchases a month. I usually do about four to seven. So I'm hoping that we get a little bit of a, a correction here where everyone that is either make getting the acceptances reduces the volume of buyers or what's probably happening is that half the buyers are just over it. They're over making offers and, and feeling like a chump because they can only put 3% over list price. Yeah. I, I don't doubt there are some people that are discouraged by that. Well, um, how could this be a great time for a first time home buyer? doesn't make any sense. It's a tough time for a first-time home buyer. You would have to have a sizable down payment, preferably made from like Bitcoin or something like that. Or um, grandma. Yeah, or grandma, a gift from a family member. Um, but yeah, brutal, brutal environment for a first-time home buyer. That's for sure. Yep. And because, you know, even the entry-level homes are gaining a lot of attention from would-be landlords, right? Um, like we were talking earlier is you're, you went down to Palm Springs and you're poking around and you're looking at things and considering the ins and outs of it and kind of mocking up a, a, a balance sheet. Yeah. And, pro forma. Like yeah, how would I make money? How's this, this? going to work? And, uh, where's my risk and is it a prudent investment? And then, but there's plenty of other people that are thinking, Hey, uh, Work for me has been very good during the last year, and I made a lot of money. Um, I want to figure out, you know, how to work more on my retirement plan and creating passive income. And, um, you know, that if you have a, you want to retire in 15 years, one of the ways you might do that would be to buy a rental property and um, put as much down as you can afford and then 
really prioritize paying that debt off as rapidly as possible so that when, you know, maybe you get a 15 year loan, you yep. retire in 15 years. And then what probably in California that, you know, that place might be renting for $3,000 a month today. Right. So maybe in 15 years, it's going to rent for $5,000 yeah. a month or something. And if the, if you, you know, the mortgage might be the whole rent for the time being, but when it's all paid off, now all of a sudden you've got a substantial uh, passive income that, you know, yeah, you're going to have to set aside some for maintenance and um, vacancy and other things that are going to come up along the way. But um, so anyways, those guys are hopping in and competing at the lower end level um, sometimes coming in with cash. This is what some of those first time home buyers are up against is some Correct. savvy investor that has is sitting on a big stack of cash and has the ability to overpay um, and beat you out. And I talked to a flipper group, an LLC group. Uh-huh. Flipper. What did right they now. Say? What did they say? They bought a house in Guadalupe. Over ask price? No. They Good. bought it a month ago for three hundred thousand. Oh, wow. They, yeah. So I don't know how distressed it was. There weren't pictures. It wasn't on the MLS in, in March, closed in March. I'm making an offer. So I call the listing agent, like I told you, and I start learning about the LLC. Cause I always like to know if the agent is part of the LLC or not. Sure. And so he said, here's the deal. Uh, we're listing it now at four twenty-five. Okay. So $125,000 higher. Who knows what they put into it? It looks very nice. So Guadalupe is... There's some, the socioeconomics in Guadalupe are challenging because you're pretty remote. Right. And for the most part, the, the, the people think that it's predominantly Hispanic and it is, but it's also coastal real estate. I mean, literally these streets are like golf shots from the ocean. So he got more than 10 offers. One of our was ours. It went for 470. What? And he said on the counteroffer that you must, uh, you must be willing to at least make the difference of fifteen thousand dollars between the appraisal and the price. So he's basically calling a spade a spade and saying, "This thing ain't gonna appraise for four seventy. Yeah. So I saw <laughs> I saw a very similar deal to that a couple weeks ago. It wasn't my deal. It was another one of our agents' deals where these people overbid and they were told that they guaranteed the seller at least ten thousand dollars over the appraisal. And guess what happened? It came in at that. It came in low. Yeah. By like more. Okay. Okay. So the $10,000 though had to come out of their pocket. Yep. And then we were like, uh, from a compliance standpoint, when and where do we add this $10,000 added almost closing costs that's going to be going to the seller for the guarantee above the appraisal. I mean, it was, I felt weird about this, but well, you'd have to adjust price down to 10 K above appraisal, right? Yeah. Yeah. But then sure. Then you, but I'm, I'm not saying it's but not it difficult, meant, but, but it, it is meant odd. they were bringing in more money and I just yep. was worried about, you know, when we, sell this loan or this loan gets securitized a little bit down the road, people would be looking on what? Yeah. How did you guys come up with this? But anyway, it's happening in every County. Yeah. It's, it's getting more and more widespread. We need to do a commercial break. Just before we go though, the LLC said, this is the time to buy right now. The next 18 months are going to be nuts. And I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> <laughs> what? 
I can't wait to hear the details yeah. about how they're how yeah. they're suggesting that. But um, all right, yeah, let's do the first commercial break here, and then um, yeah, we'll be back in just a few minutes with more Mortgage Matters. It's time to pay some bills. Mortgage Matters will be back in just a few seconds. Stay tuned. More from the mortgage experts from Central Coast Lending in just seconds. Hey, Brian from AM Sun Solar here. Did you know that if you own a home and have an electric bill, you could miss out on the full 30% solar tax credit this year if you don't act fast? The full 30% tax credit lowers after this year, so you're going to miss out on cash and time is running out. Call AM Sun Solar today to see if your home qualifies for the full 30% solar tax credit. Get your free solar consultation before it's too late. We are already filling up our installation schedule to get the tax credit, so call AM Sun Solar today at 805 6786 or visit us at amsunsolar.com. AM Sun Solar is located in Paso Robles, so you know you're working with a local company that has the best equipment and a 20% longer workmanship warranty than anyone else in the area. Call us today at 805-772-6786 or visit amsunsolar.com to see if your home qualifies for a solar energy system and the full 30% solar tax credit. That's 805-772-6786. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. We are using low down payment programs and down payment assistance programs to help folks just like you buy their first home. You may not need to save and wait as long as you think. Are you ready to explore home ownership? Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 low and the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender licensed by the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. NMLS number 32835. This is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. We believe that cell phone apps are great for some things and wrong for others. When it comes to something as significant as a mortgage, use our team of mortgage experts. Leave the apps for ordering pizza, not for buying a home. Use your phone for its original purpose and give us a call today. Just call 543 low and the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender licensed by the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. NMLS number 328358. In these times of economic turmoil, it's hard to know where to turn for financial security. At Blakesley & Blakesley, they've been providing solid financial advice for over 30 years. If you'd like a second opinion on your investments or just a financial tune-up, turn to a proven name you know you can trust. Blakesley & Blakesley. For the service you deserve and the advice you trust, come to Blakesley & Blakesley with offices in San Luis Obispo, Santa Maria, and Paso Robles. Member FINRA and SIPC. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. As a direct VA lender, we specialize in helping the great servicemen and women of the Central Coast utilize their benefit to purchase and refinance real estate. We thank you for your service and believe it's a distinct honor to serve you. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 low with mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender licensed by the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. NMLS number 328358. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920 and FM 96.5 with your host, the mortgage experts from Central Coast Lending. Now, back to the show. Twenty-one rooms, but one will do. 
All right, welcome back. So that the LLC guys that you're talking about, they they made comment that they think the next 18 months are just going to be more of the same, maybe even with a little more RPM. Yeah, dude, it's no joke. That's, here's here's their. Are they just optimistic though? Because they're yeah. in the industry, they're excited about how. I mean, if you if you're a flipper or somebody that feels like you know the recipe to make money off of real estate, and you're doing it in an environment where people are literally fighting each other to outpay, mm-hmm. um, you got to be pretty optimistic, right? And you probably also got to be going, "Hey, let's get the wheelbarrows ready because we're going to be hauling cash to the bank for at least the next year and a half." Yeah, I mean, I. <laughs> Yeah. Is it that? It's here is their thing. They said the builders are supposed to be building a bunch of houses and the supply chain is slowing them down. The wood is costing way too much. The inventory is supposed to be coming, supposed to be coming, and they just can't get it clipped out enough. And yeah. meanwhile, you've got this pent up demand of people that want to get out of their house, get onto their next house because they got the equity. We're on a huge run. Like a, a, the length of time that people have gone to bed, done nothing, woken up, done nothing, and made money on their house has been like nine years. Since 20, well, I mean, you could go back to 2010, but I think since 2012, it's been like a 5% clip every year. Met a young, lovely young man this week that I helped buy a house in May of 2017. Came on in to do a little refi. Still has some mortgage insurance hanging around and an interest rate that's a little high. And um, he's a little late, admittedly a little late to the refi party, but walked on in and um, we looked at the deal. And was, this guy's got 25% equity in the house, at least um, pending appraisal. We tried to even underestimate the equity a little bit, just hoping to get an appraisal waiver and didn't get it. But I mean... I I feel like I've seen in the last several years, I just see people pop into real estate with little to nothing down and then look up a few years later to having accumulated some pretty impressive wealth. And, you know, I right now we're, it's estimated nationally, like next month, um, we're fully anticipating numbers that say about a 20% year over year home it's price 2% appreciation. month to month right now. It's month to month, 2%. It's insane. So I own a $740,000 house, which means da, 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 carry the nine. I'm making like 15 K a month on my house. The question is for how long? Yeah, not for long. This is the other thing. So the first thing he said was inventory, which we talk about on the show. The second thing he said is, you tell me how interest rates are going to go above 4% in the next 18 months. He said, this is your your job. And I said, that's a great question. I don't know. But he said it it would retard the, the plan for the powers that be to taper off. They need people to keep spending that money yeah. and borrowing that money. And, and so with equity in their pockets and interest rates low. He, and he said, the last thing was you got to target the right areas. So apparently Guadalupe, for those that listen to the show that are interested in investing is a, a relatively good area. He did say stuff about like, people are going to be getting out of their houses because of the whole forbearance thing. And now they got this thing over their head, but I don't really believe that. I think there's a little bit of that. That's probably coming. It's probably less, 
than going to be enough to move the needle, right? I mean, I, I saw there's two different um, COVID forbearance um, data sources, I guess I should say. One of them is the Mortgage Bankers Association who collects data, and then the other one I think is Black Knight, who they've just got. Yes. They've got the software that basically. They do the passport profile. Yeah, so they just know what's going on. Um, they announced this week that the, so here, the Mortgage Banker Association, um, they call theirs the Forbearance Call and Volume Survey. They said um, that it dropped by 14 basis points again. Um, the week, at week over week over week, these numbers continue. They're just trending down. Um, albeit somewhat slowly, but they're trending down. Um, and now that so many more people are going to work, right? Like the governor announced that on June 15th, that mask mandate for most things is going to be lifted. Most businesses are returning to normal. Um, so you got to imagine that people that were in a forbearance plan because they were unable to work are going to be getting back to work and saying, Hey, I'm ready now to come up with the plan. I'm ready to get back on track of having a house payment again. My income's back. Mm -hmm. So anyways, it's, it's dropped week over week. And right now it's down to 4.22% of total servicing portfolio, um, which accounts for nationally 2.1 million homeowners. This at its peak, I think was closer to like 2.6 or 7 million homeowners. So, a lot are, you know, almost a third of them now are already working out and getting back to what they're doing. But when you look nationally at what it's going to mean, even if all 2 million of these people didn't get to get a loan modification, right. didn't get to get a meaningful forbearance agreement, and are actually now going to move towards doing a short sale, this market would gobble up short sales right now. 100%. Obviously, San Luis Obispo County can't fit two million of them, but that's two million nationally. Right. So I, I don't I don't see that as being a real challenge. Well, you mentioned um, a couple of things, you know, about them. They they have this philosophy that the builders are sort of in trouble. I was reading a story today that um, in the last two months, more containers have been lost off of cargo ships than typically are lost in a whole year. Whatever's going on, just wild seas or, or just, there's pirates. Some, some supply chain stuff is missing because of that, right? Um, wood continues to dominate headlines. Building materials are going through the roof. It's crazy. Oh, you um, can't even get PVC pipes at Home Depot anymore. They're like, oh yeah, sorry, we're out of three and a quarter. I'm like, uh, like for the day? They're like, yeah. no, like we'll get it next week. So, and then we got just today, actually, um, we got April housing starts and building permits numbers and housing starts was at, um, I'll just round here using my third grade rounding skills, 1.6 million. Um, and permits were at 1.76 million. Um, permits pretty strong. Um, starts were down nine and a half percent. And when they dug into this a little bit to try to figure out why, um, starts were missing expectations, here's the reasons that were cited. Tell me if you think any of these are true. Rising costs for land, labor, and materials. All three of those things are true. That's totally true. They're inarguable. 
And so they're basically saying that the 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 cost it's taking us to get boots on the ground to build once we overpay for the rising cost of land mm-hmm. then coupled with the fact that the materials increase in price mm-hmm. um 10% of the starts fell off well think about it think have you ever done the thing where you look to go on a travel or a trip and you're like I'm just going to poke around and see what the plane tickets cost and oh like, yeah it's tuesday and you're like oh, I got to watch the, you know, I got to go watch my son's baseball game and then I get back and like, I'll do that Thursday. And then you go back on Thursday and it's like magically gone up. Yeah. And then on Saturday, it's like, wow, these are like $500 more. We're not even going to go to Mexico. All of a sudden you're not even considering it. Yeah. Right. You're like, we'll just stay right here. We'll just, we'll just have Until a pool party. Changes. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then, then two months go back around and it's like, okay, let's just take a look at Mexico again. And you're like, oh, look at these. Or your hopper app says, might as well buy those tickets now. Right. So these builders, they don't have to meet these quotas. I mean, they're investors, like the teachers' pensions and stuff are looking sure. for a return. Sure. But they can certainly delay production. And when that happens, the person who was looking to get into phase three of the project here in, you know, whatever, San Luis Obispo Ranch, San Luis Ranch, or the other one, uh, you know, Rigetti. Uh, or it's a little Noveno or South Moros or any of those. They're like, oh, okay, well, what do we do now? I guess we just wait to sell our house and then inventory just shrinks, right? Well, I was going to say it's a squeeze. Squeeze. So now you end up in another track. I want to buy here. Right. I'll pay that. <laughs> That's probably part of it too. Right. It's like price fixing, you know? These builders can only build so many at the same time. Otherwise, they dilute their own price. And who does that? That's why they do phasing, of Correct. get it market absorbed and, you know, because all the early track guys generally, especially in an appreciating market, which that when you put your offer in and get in contract to buy in phase one, usually by the time phase three is breaking ground, you've already got 10 or you're selling and buying in phase more. five. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're, you're doing pretty good. Right. So, yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't, um, you know, I inflation you know this is the other component to this that i think has um there's a lot of consideration to have here is that inflation is um it's starting to happen and we know that the feds are going to let it run hot for a little while um but this last it was a week ago now we talked a little bit about it last week on the show but um food and other household goods are up 4.2 percent over the last year um, which is much more than anticipated. And um, these little shocking headline tidbits pop out like this, but um, that's the highest monthly increase since observance in 1981. So they started observing these numbers this way in 1981, and we've never seen a month-over-month increase of this size. It's really crazy. And the Fed's calling it transitory, Um they and, and that word is almost trademarked now by the Fed, mm-hmm. um, believing that supply side interruptions, mostly related to COVID and other, um, you know, travel restrictions, have created supply side issues that are resulting in increased producer costs, mm-hmm. which are then creating increased consumer costs. Um, that's. 
that's one piece, right? Like we, okay, that makes sense. Thanks. Yeah. You're reassuring me. I get it. So when we get fully back to normal, prices are going to come back down. Mm, I saw, um, was reading a really interesting article this week about inflation that was sort of helping you understand the amount of money that's been pumped into the money supply. Um, it's pretty interesting stuff. Um, we have dumped, we've increased our money supply by 26% since the beginning of COVID. Yeah. And over that short of a period, that much gain, like if you were looking at a graph, it spikes so heavy in the last 12 months that if the economists that, you know, have always taught us these things are right when they say that, you know, creating money and creating money supply creates inflation um you can't outrun growing the monetary supply by 26 percent over the course of this last year it's gonna cause inflation so the feds are setting up their monetary policy and still making decisions and conducting our economy as though the pressures are transitionary and Others are saying, mm, there's a whole lot of money that's been pumped in and you're going to be dealing with real, real inflation. We had a professor of economics on the show years back from Cal Poly. Um, his name will come to me in a minute. Fantastic gentleman. Great show. Um, great conversationalist. Incredibly intelligent. He was talking to us about the level of money that was pumped into the economy during um, TARP, right? Like the mm -hmm. Bush to Obama's first term, uh, that era of just radical money infused into the economy and how true really up until right now. So this, when we had, I think his name was Eric Fisher. I want to say it was Dr. Eric Fisher. Dan, okay. Dan would know. I wish he was here. Anyway, he said that um, we were going to experience real inflation, that it was unavoidable given what, you know, the amount of money supply was grown in that TARP era. And the bad news here is that it never really happened. So it kind of begs the question as to whether we've had pent-up inflation that has been corralled by, um, you know, all the things. I think I think I would say one of the things has just been the fact that the internet made consumption. You mean so the supply chain? Just your ability to consume got so easy. Mm -hmm. Like you start going, you know, like I was talking to my kid about this the other day. Amazon, okay? Everybody you know buys stuff from Amazon now. And... Sometimes you get it the next day or in two days or whatever, but Prime means a lot to you because it kind of have a no questions asked return policy that if you get the wrong size or it was damaged or it was just not what you were expecting, you just throw it back in the box and give it right back to them. They pay the return route and it's done. Then you see another vendor on Amazon that's not part of the Prime circle and you go, hmm, if it's not right, and you got to haggle with this guy over who's going to buy, whether it was described correctly or working right, and then who's going to pay the return shipping, and there might yeah, be yeah, and then the initial fee. shipping, you're like, wow, thirteen dollars to yeah, ship it, and you're like, whatever. I, so now you just start going, well, I'll just take Prime, right? 
But anyways, my point mm-hmm. is, is that, and and also we've we continue to get more and more separated from our money. You know, when you have a twenty dollar bill in your pocket, you know what happens to the twenty dollar bill when you break it? You could buy something for a nickel. You had twenty bucks, you broke it because you bought something for a nickel. You don't have nineteen ninety five now. You have nothing. You broke the 20, and everywhere you go, you're like, oh, I got this money right here. I'll just use this for that. And that money just flows right out. Mm-hmm. But when the 20's whole, you you go, oh, I don't want to break my 20 for that. Yeah. And so you don't. And, and therefore, you make it from one day to the next with your 20. Well, we have this situation now where it's like we've made it so easy for you to consume. Yeah, you just um, tap your watch. Do you have the Cash App? Do you have Venmo? PayPal? Yeah. Um. What about cryptocurrency, right? Yeah, there's all these large purchases, and they're all about like, well, don't you don't really have you don't have to worry about it. No, 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 no. Mike, don't get your wallet out. You could just wave your cell phone right here because you're you do everything with your cell phone. You won't think twice about that, and so it separates people, I think, from the realization of their actual spending, and um, puts distance between them and their relationship with their money and has them spending money. So I think one of the reasons we didn't have inflation the way that we might have was just that people were spending money so much that the volume of sales to company like Amazon and otherwise, they could just make money on the volume and don't need to keep increasing the costs even if the production side mm-hmm. increases, mm-hmm. the producer cost might increase to me. And I have the choice of ramping up more production in order to sell more to cover it on the margin or maybe raising the price, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. So anyways, we're just hitting this point right now where I'm looking at the inflation starting to go, hey, is this scary? Like, is, it, is there like serious things to be worried about with the inflation? And... Mm-hmm. Um, it was interesting. I mean, I, I, I Some, saw U.S. consumer sentiment for the month of May um, unexpectedly deteriorated. And um, basically what they said is that many more Americans grew con- increasingly concerned about rising prices. People are now beginning to start to say, hey, this is getting expensive. And you know what? That's not too surprising to me because what's the thing you've noticed that's gone up the most? Gasoline. Boom. That survey says the 100 people said gas, right? Unless you don't drive or you have an electric car. Or you smoke cigarettes, which I saw the other day at a gas station. Like, holy smokes. Pack of smokes is nine bucks. Wow. But I I haven't smoked since college, so I have no idea. But that just seems like a lot of money. That is a lot of money. Um, Anyways, sidebar. Gas has gone up a lot, and with increased gas comes what? I mean, that's in, increased transportation costs. Right, which and moves the lumber, which, which gets the lumber to the builder site. Also, your food, yep. right? Yep. So all these things, the cost is just racking up all along the way. Yep. And, you know, we had a we had a shutdown of a pipeline last week. Um, oh, yeah, the hack? Yeah. The ransom hack? I guess four point four whatever was paid out. I figure I still can't tell. I want to say I, it's million because billion sounds crazy high, but I heard it was four something million. Yeah, but also the White House hasn't confirmed whether or not they paid the hack. Right? If they paid the ransom, I kind of would like to just know that, just for knowing that. And one, by the way, one of the things about ransom is like, well, what's going to keep you from doing it again? 
Right, which is the principle We've behind We've established the precedent the that you were good enough to get me in a compromised position, and then I turned around and gave you the money. Yep. So why wouldn't you just keep doing that to me? I So that's probably why they're not saying whether or not they paid a ransom at all. I don't know. But anyways, point being, mm-hmm. we have energy issues again. Yeah. And, um, and it's gotten really expensive. Yep. All these things are interconnected and all these things lead to higher home prices. You can hang your hat on that. That's a fact. Um, there's just not a lot else to say about it. it those... Um, and you know, and then utilities seem to be going up too. Yeah. And you know what else too? Uh, yes. Everything's I've noticed going, that everything's going up. Um, when you sound like my grandpa, but it's true. Well, that's one of the things that happens when you get older, Mike, is yeah, you've you done, the, you've lived through it long enough. Well, you have the vantage point of being able to see over the heads and shoulders of, you know, the people that, that don't recall what happened when gas was at four fifty a gallon. Yep. You know, um, just today I had a, a client that I met for the first time digitally and he was telling me the, the old fashioned Jimmy Carter interest rate story. Yeah. You know, when I first bought my house, it was 18, 18, almost 19% interest. And I yeah. showed, cause I showed him a quote at 3%. I'm like, they're not in two anymore. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> right. who gives a crap? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's so funny. Um, I I had lunch the other day with a um, insurance agent that I really like, young kid that's a real hustler, and um, he's just a sweetheart. And we were talking about um, home prices, and he this is a guy this is a guy that's in his mid twenties, and um, you know his he's a two income um, household right now, and his income is on an upward trajectory because he's working really hard and he's building a book and he's got high, high optimism about what tomorrow holds. And anyways, mm-hmm. he, he asked me to lunch and we went to lunch together and it, we barely sat down before he said, should I buy a house right now? You're like, okay. And I said, <laughs> we're doing it. <laughs> well, yeah, let, let's talk about that. And, you know, these are the things we talked about, but um, you know, the reality is that nobody really knows. We just don't know. And you got to be able to kind of put all these things together and, and decide whether or not you're ready, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but you know, the other thing too, that, that is creating this, this supply side issue that we have in our housing market is Mike, you're supposed to sell. You are. That's right. You bought a house however many years ago with an FHA loan, swung the vines and, um, you know, got rid of your mortgage insurance and you yep. made improvements to the house. It looks like a different house and it's a beautiful house and it's in San Luis Obispo proper. Mm-hmm. Um, you're supposed to sell that house and get on a hilltop. Um, and, you know, what's interesting is that um, you're not. And you're not, um, for all of your reasons, and then one, which is you probably have a 2.5% 30-year fix now, um, you know, like so many other people. And you're also protected by Prop 13. So your property taxes are enjoying, when did you buy your house? In 2015? 2014. 14. So you're enjoying. six, Six, no, no, 2015. You're right. Six years. Yeah. So you're enjoying a sweet tax rate of what minor increase on the tax roll since you bought the house in 2015 for a lot less than it's worth now. 
Mm-hmm. And if you move, you reset that. And if you move, you're going to have to get a rate at three, you know, and all mm-hmm. the, and if you move, and it'll be a bigger loan. Yeah. Well, and you painted your house and you did flooring and you did kitchen and you're, you know, you're wor- you've worked your way through it. Well, all of those materials cost more now. And so does all the labor. Mm-hmm. So if you go now, you, if you find a house where you're like, this house is perfect, except the kitchen. Well, the kitchen today is costing you twice as much as the kitchen six years ago because things are a lot more expensive and harder to get now. Mm -hmm. Um, So those so many people that would be a part of the natural, you know, well, I want to buy a house. I'm going to sell a house. I'm going to buy a house. And that's a healthy economy where those things are just moving around. You sell your house would be like a move up buyer from somebody that had a, you know, a condo by Sensheimer. Now they buy a single family down, you know, you see the point though, is that you, you got this uh, situation where a lot of people are just not selling because of low interest rate with a lot of appreciation. And the fact that they got prop 13 holding them, their prop taxes down um, and all of those things sort of move this all forward. And so um, I hope the market stays hot for 18 more months. Um, I wish it wasn't as hot as it was. It's I pretty white hot. It's white hot. And you can't really argue that anymore. And now I'm beginning to, as a, you know, I'm a person that, that owns a mortgage company. So mm-hmm. I love low interest rates. I want, that's what we, it's a big part of our, our recipe here. Mm-hmm. Um, but at some point, you know, we're going to look back at this era, I think, and say at the hand of the Fed, who held rates down maybe too long, mm-hmm. um, we created, you know, houses that, were five hundred thousand dollars or now a million bucks, and yeah. they probably would have been worth six hundred if we didn't stoke the low interest fire throughout a twelve plus year cycle. And um, but you know who knows? Only, only history will reveal that. Um, we're out of time today. We're at the total end of the show. We, no way. We talked straight through and missed the second break. Oh shucks. Um, so for that, I apologize. Yeah, but. Fantastic conversation with you, as yeah. always. Maybe we should do the show together like once every month. It it keeps the blood fresh. Oh, I, I, that's my plan. And I do. I just want to say too, before we log off, that that the the rates are hanging right around that three percent mark right now, um, and it just doesn't hurt to call in and and check what you got. Uh, make sure that you're in the right program that your that your plan is a good one that your interest rate is good yep you know i i i'm telling you just like this guy that um obviously i didn't do a good enough job of marketing to him from 2017 to now but this guy showed up with mortgage insurance and a four and a quarter interest rate well wow, he was I'm stoked like, dude you're saving so much money like we're getting the house payment down by almost 25 percent so get, get some of that. That's a lot of money. Um, and so, yeah, if you guys need that help, you can give us a call and just, just let us look at it. It's what we want to do. Uh, 805-543-LOAN, which is 5626. Um, or come find us on the World Wide Web at centralcoastlending.com. Um, Mike, thanks so much for your help today. I enjoyed it as always. You're and very welcome. Yep. All thanks the for listeners me. out there, please stay happy and healthy. We'll see you next week.